the entire beach at Miami would be staring at us being like, what are you guys doing? And by the end of the day, we'd have 50, 60 people in line playing. Somebody would always want to buy the model that we used. And then somebody would go onto our website later that night and actually buy. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Andre from Cartloop, and welcome to the Growth Theory Podcast. Today, I'm talking to Chris Mead, the co-founder and CMO of CrossNet. CrossNet, they have just invented a brand new sports game. It's a four-way volleyball. And if you haven't heard of it before, just Google it, search it on YouTube. It, it looks like a lot of fun. And today, CrossNet is available in more than 1,500 retail locations, including Walmart, Target, and Dick's Sporting Goods. So Chris and his co-founders, they created an amazing brand. They created an amazing online presence, but not only they created this online presence, they also started selling in retail locations. Uh, So today we're gonna talk about that, how they started up with just an idea, how they validated it, and how in just a few years, CrossNet became a multi-million dollar business. So without further ado, let's get started. Chris, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. Doing great as well. So, um, what are you? What are you doing recently? What are your main projects at, at CrossNet, and uh, what are some of the things that you do on on a daily basis? Yeah, so uh, I'm one of the founders of CrossNet. Uh, help run the marketing and sales team. Um, essentially, right now, our biggest uh, biggest thing is just getting the game to become a, a global sport, right? Like we're we're expanding internationally. Uh, we're in major retailers across the country, so it's been a it's been a fun challenge. But we bootstrapped this thing three years ago, and it's crazy to see it become one of the fastest growing outdoor games. That is that is it is crazy. Uh, but I'm really curious to hear the story before CrossNet. Like, how did you come up with idea, and what were you doing before that? Yeah, so before CrossNet, um, I was working as a sales executive over at Uber, uh, the car company. (laughs) So I had uh, helped launch Uber Eats in Rhode Island in Massachusetts. Uh, I was like just a sales rep calling into uh, local restaurant chains and general managers. Uh, My partner, Mike, was just graduating engineering school. And my brother was just running a few e-commerce businesses. So all of us were kind of just just kind of getting through life, getting paychecks. And nobody really had like something they were super passionate about. And then one night we we came up with the idea for the four-way net. Uh, we had Googled it. We had assumed that it was already a game or was going to be taken. And luckily for us, uh, it was a possibility. So uh, that's, oh. that's kind of what started. Yeah. But wait, so, so like, were you playing volleyball before or, or like, how did the, like, yeah, how did no, that happen? None, none of us are volleyball players at all. Like pretty much we were just, sitting there brainstorming one night like writing down ideas on a on a napkin and uh, yeah we had written down a ton of ideas but nothing really good at all and uh yeah four-way volleyball just was on like espn was on in the background maybe volleyball clips were going out i'm not sure uh none of us were volleyball players growing up at all uh (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we're we're actually all terrible at volleyball but we knew that the the concept of four-way volleyball and people like competing would be really really cool so we Googled it, like I said, and nobody was out there doing it. So the next day we woke up and we went to our Walmart and we got like two badminton nets and rigged up a prototype in our, our mom's backyard. So, so, so wait, you, you basically just like did it like a research, like a very brief research 
and then and then so none of us you were you were like you know sportsmen volleyball players and then you thought like okay like this this thing is gonna work out um how did you like what was the initial impression of your friends of the people you talked about we loved this it. new sport everyone loved it uh everyone played it we played it for hours on end uh we knew that if we were gonna play it uh why wouldn't every kid in america play it so uh we knew we were on something definitely right from the get we had made up rules on the spot we're like this is really really fun and we're not even trying to make a business we're just trying to have a good time so uh that was that was when we kind of knew that we had the proof of concept down wow how long did you how long did it take from the initial that night when you got up you know with the idea up until yeah. realizing you got a business going what was i the mean that, that 24 hours we we got the prototype made like the next day in our backyard that was like okay that proof of concept checked out everybody was having a good time and now let's go engineer this thing and, and get the prototype so the prototype process took like four or five months but the we knew we were starting a business 24 hours later wow yeah so yeah so how did you go from from that initial concept until uh, you know to to actually building the physical product you know protecting because i assume right now crossnet is is like a patent or is like a trademark or it has some kind of ip rights um yeah, correct. how did so how did you how did you go about that yeah so we're, we're phase? patent protected trademark protected copyright protected uh which is all really great stuff we have a, a really strong legal team that helps us out with all of that uh but for the initial phase going back to your question so we we got our first like 50 100 units and we would just go to the beach every day man we'd go we'd set it up and we'd see if people wanted to play and by the time we got done setting up the four-way net the entire beach at miami would be staring at us being like what are you guys doing and by the end of the day we'd have 50 60 people in line playing somebody would always want to buy the model that we used and then somebody would go on to our website later that night and actually buy so uh just going to the beach every day it was kind of that organic so, marketing so you basically moved out from uh from the east coast down to miami um, was this solely because because you know like miami and like florida is, is such a like a nice vacation and people hit the beach more often than on the east coast or it was some other reason for uh for that no it was simply that i mean we grew up in connecticut and it's super cold in there like come september uh, nobody's going to the beach anymore everyone's staying inside the weather starts to get really cold so Um, we knew that we had to pretty much move everything down to Miami. And then when we were in Miami, that's when the start of the game really started off. Mm. When, when was this happening? Uh, this was pretty much like January, 2018. I moved, we moved to Miami. I quit my full-time job and then we'd literally just go to Miami beach every single day. We'd have like units in the car and we would just bring as many to the beach as possible. I remember these girls from New Jersey, right? These girls from New Jersey, uh, they bought one of the unit, one of the games and then they would go set it up in their hometown in New York. And then we'd see sales in New York uh, <laughs> every single day from their little town. And we're like, oh, like, I guess the, I guess the girls are out playing again. So then the mindset became, let's stop playing CrossNet every day and let's get as many units out to the world because everyone's going to have that same viral effect when they play, right? So... Now we have 100,000 units out in the world and people are playing every single day. They're doing that marketing. So I have my paid ad spend, but then I have my, my customers out in the world actually doing the marketing for us. So, so basically the customers are your, like the biggest marketing flywheel that Absolutely. CrossNet has. Yeah. They're our biggest advocates 
by far. I mean, they, they keep the, the game growing, they keep the sport moving. Uh, and that's why we're kind of innovating the product line to have doubles and teams and all of that to just keep it going. Got it. Got it. So when did you decide to you start investing in, into like marketing ads, email and so on? Um, it was pretty early on, early in 2018. What I do is we'd go to the beach every day, right? And like I graduated with a film degree. So I would go shoot on my camera. I'd come home. We'd run Instagram and Facebook ads at night. We'd throw 50. I mean, we all pull, pulled our 401ks out, you know, so we didn't have much money to our name, but we take 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, invested in Facebook kind of gamble and, hell we'd get two or three time return on an ad spend and then we just keep cranking it up so early on but we weren't spending one percent of what we're spending now on ads got it got it and what, what were some of the initial blockers that you had you know during during the initial phases of initial stages of crossnet cash flow uh all of us were just broke 24 and 22 year old kids with no money so we had like 10,000 bucks to our name. So we didn't really have much money to, uh, to invest in the project, you know? So every single dollar we had, we had to make our money back and we spent it. Hmm. And did at any point come like come across your mind that, you know, we should raise some money or we should, we should get a credit or like anything like, like financing. Yeah. There's, there's tons of times where we struggled with cash flow. It's still a fun battle that we do, but essentially every time, we were about to do something or raise money we always find a way to just kind of wait to that next page that came in from a retailer or a big sale so um we, we've gotten over the hump thing thankfully hmm. no no outside investment wow that's that's amazing congrats on that when when it comes to cash flow what are what were some of the learnings that you wish you knew back when you started that right now, you know, you optimize their cash flow process and, you know, the way you deal with uh, suppliers and I mean, the manufacturers and, and all that, what were some of the yeah. things that you learned? Um, payment terms are super important. So rather than paying for everything up front, uh, fix your payment terms. So you're not paying until later on in the process. Maybe it's on delivery. Maybe it's on the bill of lading. Uh, don't over buy packaging because packaging always changes. Uh, fix your payment processing as soon as possible. So you're not uh, losing money on the percentage. So that's really important. So those when, are when you say when you say fix your payment processing, you mean like negotiating with someone yeah, like Stripe ex or exactly yeah. So I'd move away from Shopify and move move over to like a private bank, uh, a smaller bank that will accept mm -hmm. you. Uh, you'll get rates that are probably fifty percent, if not seventy five percent cheaper. So really, really important to do that, especially if you have a high ticket item like ours. Uh, three or four percent on one hundred and fifty bucks at scale adds up very very fast. Yeah, absolutely. And did did you also had the issue with chargebacks and people, you know, doing credit card frauds and then, you know, having the issues with the bank blocking your money for a certain period of time or it never occurred? Yeah, when 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 COVID started, we had a ton of orders come through, way more than we ever expected. And uh, that kind of led to some customer service issues where we weren't shipping product out for a few weeks because we just didn't have the inventory. And you could advertise it a million times on your site, but sometimes customers just simply don't read, right? So uh, we've had to like hire more customer service staff to deal with chargebacks. Uh, fraud is definitely very frustrating, especially internationally. Uh, we'll see a lot of customers try to order five or six cross nets. You get really happy because it's a big sale, uh, but it's really a stolen credit card. And as soon as you ship the product, they report it as fraud. And, 
you're out of product and the shipping, it's it's not a good situation. So we try to put as many checks into the system as possible. Uh, yeah, I assume at this point you're using some kind of like a fraud detection app or something like that. Actually, at this moment, we just have, we have a CFO that kind of comes through all that. Uh, the fraud detection apps that I've seen, and if you find one better, let me know. They wanted a percentage of the sale, and since our product's $150, and some of these places ask for 5 or 10% or a crazy number on, oh, wow. all, of your, on all of your sales. So, oh wait! Really, even if they're not, even if they're not, um, like guaranteed. Yeah. Yep. Imagine that, right? So, <laughs> they they ask for a percentage just to comb through everything, even though the fraud is like less than point zero one percent of the situation. So, I'd rather, wow. sadly, I'd rather lose on the fraud than lose on every order. You know. Yeah, that seems like a pretty good opportunity for a startup to just tackle this space. I mean, yeah, it's like it's like a, it's like a massive market. It is. I definitely see it could be something possible in the future. Got it. And how many people are on your team now? Um, we have a full-time staff of 10 right now. And then we also have about 15 virtual assistants that we use at any moment. Hmm. Got it. And what was the process of like hiring the first people? Um, and like, how did you, how did you decide what kind of people you need to do and what kind of people you need to add to your team? Uh, yeah, it's so, really difficult in the beginning to, to figure it out. Okay. Like what's the next hired and the next one. Of course, especially when money's tight, right? Like yeah. any money that you're giving to an employee is money that you're not getting as an owner, which uh, is difficult to swallow, but you need to spend money to grow. So the first hire exactly. was the warehouse orders. Don't get shipped out if we don't have a warehouse worker. Right. So uh, we have our operations manager, Kevin. Um, after that, we were very frugal on the hires and the way we went about it was let's hire freelance uh, for a couple hours a week because coming from the corporate world, I'd see I spent eight hours a day working, right? But I really was only working four hours a day. The other four hours was busy work, texting on my phone. Like you're only really working so many hours of the day, right? So I'm like, why am I going to pay an employee to do marketing when they might not even be working the full time? So what I did was I went to a, a website, freeup.com. Uh, shameless plug right there, but those are my guys over there. And I would just type in whatever I needed and I'd hire them for an hour or two hours. Oh, I need a graphic design project. Oh, I need coding done. And over time, I found a specialist in every avenue that CrossNet needed. So graphic design, video editing, uh, copywriting, uh, coding, you name it, we, ha- we staffed for it. And then we would just tap it on a, a project by project basis. So if, if you were to start again, would you use the same approach or you, you would just go, you know, hire someone full time? for? Oh, no, specific? hell no. I, I would do the same approach. We still use the freelancers. <laughs> Absolutely. There's nothing worse than like having somebody have $50,000 in salary and you have no idea what they're doing. So we've carefully hired. Uh, we have, yeah, like I said, we have a team of 10. So we have seven other employees outside of three founders. So um, every hire has been very ca- carefully vetted to make sure that they're, I mean, the biggest thing for us, right, is if we spend $1 on an employee, we better be making back that dollar plus more uh, to warrant their salary. Yeah. Um, is the marketing team in-house or using like an agency or? Yeah. So we have a, a three-team marketing. So I'm the CMO. I have three team, three people under me that report to me uh, in-house. And then we use a paid Facebook agency and a paid email agency uh, to run that side of the house. But our in-house team works on content, 
partnerships, uh, organic social, uh, and just the e-com side of the business as well. Yeah. And how, how big is, I, you know, I'm, I'm following you on LinkedIn for quite some time. We're connecting there. And yep. I noticed like you're, you're building your brand in, in a, such a huge way. Um, does this, does brand building impact CrossNet in any way, or you, you know, you assume it's going to pay some dividends later down the road? Absolutely. Uh, brand building is everything for us because our biggest challenge in the question mark is we're in 1500 plus stores retail and you can only do so much to get people to go to the store to physically pick up the item now that we're sold everywhere online. So having that brand, having being top of mind, knowing your color schemes, knowing that's crossing it, that's the game I saw on the internet uh, is super, super valuable. So that all st- starts at top of funnel for us. Brand is key. Uh, luckily for us, we're the only four-way volleyball game in the world, thanks to that patent, right? So uh, got to own that and, and build that brand up. I mean, when you, when you said like you're the only one in the world, did you have any kind of like IP infringements? You had others trying to you know copy you and, and build the product or it didn't happen at this point? Yeah, we've, we've had some people come into the market to try to talk to it, like try to create competition, but uh, <laughs> it hasn't gone well for them. So uh, yeah. Got it. So, and earlier you mentioned that you're shipping the products yourself. Um, what was this, was there like a, a reason you chose to do it yourself rather than just using like a third party logistics center? Yeah. So three PLs for us, uh, haven't been <laughs> kind to us. Uh, we've never used one, but every time we've been quoted, our product, uh, is about two feet long and weighs about 20 pounds. So it takes up a lot of storage space and it's also a lot of manual labor to pick these boxes up and ship them. Uh, so every time we've been quoted, it's been about like eight, $10 per unit. So that takes wow. a lot of your margin out. Um, especially since we have to stock so many cause we sell so many, you know? So anybody listening who runs a three PL who can get me like a dollar a unit business is yours. Otherwise we have to do it ourselves and have logistics guy that we pay full time. Got it. Got it. So right now you, you just moved your, uh, your warehouse or you open another one on the, on the West coast in San Diego. Yeah. So we opened up, uh, the one on the West coast, the one on the East coast is, uh, is getting shut down very shortly. Uh, it's just better for logistics because we're shipping all the product into the West Coast. So before we had a much longer lead time to Connecticut, which would start with back orders and all of that messy stuff. So now we have a, a 20 day faster lead time. Our whole team's out in the West Coast mostly. So yeah, it's good. It's real good to do this. Awesome, man. Love it. Um, so when it comes to when it comes to learning uh, as as the CMO and you know, as the, as head of marketing. Um, like where do you usually go to learn from and how do you, how do you come up with new content ideas, marketing ideas? How do you brainstorm that? Good idea. Uh, good question. I mean, um, honestly, podcasts, man, they've been really big for me. I've kind of finding direct consumer owners who sell into retail is a very small sample size. When you go into a target or a Walmart or a big box store, almost all of those companies are like owned by a larger conglomerate. Right. So, Finding individual entrepreneurs like myself who have done this, uh, it's small. So I try to reach out to them, try to build friendships with them, send them across net. Hopefully they'll send me back their product and build a relationship and then tap into it. Like I have tons to offer and they have tons to offer me. So we just try to swap stories and swap things that are working. Like I just started using a new checkout like payment processor on the back end. Um, 
called Better Cart. So I've been telling my friends about that. I absolutely love Better Cart. Um, so stuff like that, just little, little helpful tips like that are, are things that I can do with other entrepreneurs, which is great. Got it. So all about networking and building relationships. Absolutely. Um, how did you get into the first store, the first retail uh, store? LinkedIn, actually, man. So I built up that LinkedIn uh, portfolio and I had just simply sent him a, a cold touch through email. Well, actually through LinkedIn. He said, hey, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the four-way volleyball net in your news feed, but I think it'd be great at your store. And he picked up a few. Wow. And then everything snowballed or you just had to keep on building relationships and then, you know, from one to another, you know, it led to 1,500 stores carrying your products. How did, yeah, how did that go? So, so that store had about 35 locations. We got into two of them. We sold out of those two locations eventually. And he's like, hey, do you guys want to go nationwide? I said, of course we want to go nationwide. So that's <laughs> that's how we started with one store. And then I used that store's logo to leverage other stores. Being like, oh, I'm in the store. I need to be in your store. Like, how can I not be in your store? So that's kind of how those partnerships have built out. Mm. Yep. Got it. Um, and how, like, how, what percentage of your sales are coming from retail and what percentage are coming from e-commerce at this point? It's shifted. It used to be about 30, 70, direct consumer, was 70, and now it's kind of flopped. Uh, wholesale is becoming a huge part of our business, but uh, which is really fun, but it's also untapped territory for us. Like it's less about getting the person to buy on our website and more about driving traffic to the retail stores. So the retail stores keep buying. So that's a, a fun challenge that we've just really started to undertake in the last few months. And there's going to be a lot of growing pains, but I'm excited for it because there's a lot of learning to do. Uh, how, do how do we drive them to the store? And is it through billboards? Is it through digital? Is it through magazines? Like, there's tons of cool stuff to do. Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes to the logistics of selling your products in retail locations, how complicated was that process to you know, get everything set up, negotiate you know, pricing and, and everything? As, as someone who just starts out, what is... What is some, you know, what are the things that one should look for? And yeah. Um, so having uh, having good payment terms and having good uh, having good price points is really important, right? So if you don't have um, solid wholesale margins that are attractive to the buyer, then they're not going to pick up your item. Uh, there's tons of items that they could buy, and at the end of the day, they need to create a profit for the business that they're running. So you don't have attractive payment, uh, if they can't make money off your item, they, they're not gonna pick it up, we'll take something else happily and advertise that in the store. Um, but that's that's the most important, uh, having good shipping speed and customer service. So if they ship something, if they want something and you need to be able to hit their demand, uh, sometimes I'll get orders from stores and they're like, hey, you need 10,000 units in two weeks, can you do it? And the answer is just always yes, like you gotta find a way to do it, you know? And if you can't, setting that customer expectation got it got it that's amazing it's yeah i guess you're right you you've got you you are one of the few stories that uh you know you see going from you know direct to consumer to retail and doing it in a such a fast way basically when 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 did when did you got up uh doing the first like retail location when was that happening um, that happened in like 
the first few weeks of 2019. So 2018 was all direct to consumer on Shopify. Uh, 2019, we started getting some good feedback from the buyers at the stores. And then towards the end of 2019, that's where we got like nationwide with a few places. Got it. Got it. Awesome. So going back to e-commerce and, and marketing, um, like you've got probably one of the best marketing angles and the you know marketing campaigns that uh, I've seen. And I, I we actually have uh, other guests. We actually had other guests on the show who uh, talked about you and what you're doing. So for you, what is the what is the most important channel, like marketing channel today? Um, Facebook. Facebook drives tons of our traffic. Um, Facebook's the most important, and then email after that. It's more about getting people into the funnel, right? Because now that I know we have email and SMS set up, uh, we're going to convert a lot of that traffic on the back end. So it's all about getting them to the initial site, getting their pixel data, and then getting their email or phone number. And then it might not be that first first touch that we convert them on, uh, but it could be the seventh or eighth, eighth touch, which is uh, it's frustrating, but it's cool to see that we could get people later on. Got it. Got it. So when it comes to email, do you do you also do like do you also target the the the, the existing customers uh, with some like accessories? Because I assume it's a product that you know once you buy it once, you like unless you want to buy it for another friend, you're not gonna have two sets like two cross nets. Um, yeah. So what we've done is kind of we've added new products, right? So uh, we listen to customer feedback. The thing that we keep hearing over and over again is. I wish it was a little bit bigger. I wish I could have a teammate. So we created a doubles net. So that's a nice new upsell. Uh, we have seen people want to play it inside, especially now we're in uh, so many northern states. So it gets cold in the winter, like my hometown in Connecticut, right? They want to bring it inside to the gym. So we made indoor bases. And then for the summertime, it's beautiful out in Miami and San Diego. We needed a pool model. So the pool model uh, was just released as well. Got it. Got it. And do you have any other products you're looking to add or any other, yeah, other kind of products you're looking to add? Um, right now we just released all of those. So I think that's a, we got tons to work with. I mean, we started as a one SKU store for two years. So now that we have five or six SKUs, like there's more than enough to sell right now. For sure. For sure. So, so today, what, what, what are some of your biggest bottlenecks? Right now, we finally have inventory for the first time, which is amazing. Um, so that used to be a big bottleneck. Uh, right now, it's just planning for Black Friday um, and wanting to be prepared for the first time in our company history. So that's our, our biggest thing. Uh, we finally we had some finance issues uh, in regards to billing and invoicing. That was a huge bottleneck on my end. We get tons of orders coming in and not invoicing on time just because there's too much work to do. Uh, so we we finally hired a CFO, which was great. So, and then the other thing is just planning inventory. I know uh, my, my co-founder Mike; he struggles. It's just a pain point. Is planning all this inventory that keeps arriving. It's a full, two full-time jobs in one. So, uh, finally having a logistics person to help us out has been really important too. Got it. Got it. So going back to building a network and a relationship, like relationship with other people. Um, this is something that even myself, I'm, you know, I'm constantly doing it and I'm, you know, I'm looking to expand my network. And I think a lot of listeners are, are in the same position. Um, what were, what are some of the things that, uh, that you're doing or like some of the tips that, you know, others could, uh, could use to better connect with people. Uh, and 
I'm asking because like LinkedIn is such a good, cool place and also Twitter, but at the same time, there's a lot of spam. There's a lot of people, you know, just trying to sell you something. So, uh, any tips on, you know, on how to build connections with like genuine connections with people? Yeah. Um, typically don't message them the second that you add them. That's always bad. Um, provide value, um, spell their company name the right way. Uh, I see so many people spell cross it the wrong way. Um, and if you do, if you are an entrepreneur who has a product, uh, I always give somebody the time of the day. If they're, people like free stuff, right? Candidly, people love to get free stuff. So if you have a product that is affordable and, hey, you could sacrifice 5 or $10, whatever the production cost is, for uh, to give that away and build that connection, then great. So I'll, I'll send somebody across net and um, like if I'm, I'm trying to, meet up with somebody or link up with an entrepreneur that I admire, I'll say, Hey, I'll start the conversation with, Hey man, really love what you're doing. Uh, would love the chat marketing. We're struggling X, Y, Z. Oh, by the way, I'm not sure if you like being outdoors and being fit, but happy to send you across net as well. So that's typically how those conversations start. And then we'll have a talk 30 minutes or so. And I'll, I'll usually extract one or two tips that will end up making me way more than that production cost on the cross net, you know? Love it, man. That's that's gold right there. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to productivity, because you know it's kind of related, um, do you have any like any insights on that? Especially now, you know, everyone working, you know, remotely. Um, I mean, LinkedIn like can be it, it, like sometimes you could you can go on LinkedIn and you suddenly just see yourself scrolling for like hours. Um, how do you stay productive throughout the day, and how do you stay on track? Um, biggest thing is just putting your phone away. Um, putting that thing on airplane mode or in another room uh, is super, super important. Like, uh, the phone just kills productivity. I've been on a few uh, plane rides in the last few days, and just having your phone airplane mode because you didn't have a choice and just working, I've seen myself just become way more productive. So put the phone away, put the distractions away, put Instagram away. Awesome, man. Good, good, good tip right there. Cool. So in terms of in terms of reinvesting the like investing what you have already like reinvesting the 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 money uh, the mm-hmm. I guess the, the the biggest like the biggest portion of the of the money it goes back to building uh, building stock build, building inventory is that correct like absolutely absolutely almost all almost all of it just to always be ahead. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what retailers are going to want to place big orders. And you need to have that inventory on hand. If you, you put it into a house or something like that, then your business stops. Got it. Got it. Awesome. Cool. So, um, yeah, that's that's it for me. Cool. Um, uh, we do ask one, one last question uh, at the end of each episode. Uh, so that question is, if you could send one text message to every person in the world, uh, what would that text message be? Um, why not you? Just get started. Just get started? Just get started. Why not you? Like Everybody is just a normal person until they create something crazy. And then you look up to the Zuckerbergs of the world, but they were all just normal people at one point. Man, love it. Love it. And what's the best place for people to connect with you? Uh, LinkedIn, Chris Mead. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate you having me on.
Thanks for joining us today. If you're on Shopify, check out cardloop.io or just search for Cardloop in the Shopify app store. Cardloop is a text messaging platform your customers will love. It not only helps you increase your sales, but it also provides a better shopping experience for your customers by building one-to-one relationships with each one of them through text messages. And the cool thing about it is that there's no time required for you and your team, as we've got a whole team of experts handling the conversations 24-7. If you want to learn more about it or test drive Cardloop, we've got a seven-day free trial. So just go to cardloop.io and get started for free. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.